0: Look, I've spent the last three or four days on my little place. It's been in our family a long time building more brush piles. These are old cedar and live oak trees that have died, and I'm just building brush piles that are kind of oh, maybe a little sanctuary for some of the uh, small game animals and birds. And me what I do before I do that, I scratch the ground and I plant, you know, put some acorns, maybe a pecan tree or pecans and persimmon and, and those kind of things and put that brush on top of it and it does something it protects it once those young plants start coming up from from deer and, and uh, the cow that we raise. I, I know that you've done some stuff with brush piles as well, too. Of course, you live in an area where you're kind of surrounded by some woods. Anything there that you've done on your property that you, you're trying to improve the habitat for, say, rabbits, and, and even for deer because different things come up and grow up out of those brush piles that they can eat?
1: Yeah, you know, well you've been to where I live Larry to my home many times but we live on a li- just a tad less than 4 acres and a lot of people ask me why don't you uh why don't you you know m- turn it all into lawn or whatever but the the, <laughs> the property lines if you ever thought looked I keep about oh probably 60 yards of just trees and brush un- uh understory if you will just leave it like it natural if you will there's all kind of brush out there all the way around the perimeter on two sides of course we have road on the other side this is just a little tract of land four acres but you would be surprised in the evening at night what comes <laughs> what comes out of those woods i mean we've got raccoons possums uh there the, the there's a there's probably 300 oak trees on this four acres honestly lots of oaks uh, tons of big oaks, some big oaks, uh, squirrels everywhere. But, you know, the brush piles and then all, you know, these oaks drop a lot of limbs throughout the year. And I just, yes, pile, do. I'll pile them up like you talked about and create sanctuaries for birds too. They can get down in there. Right now, we've got a couple of Cooper's hawks that come out every, I mean, the, the trees are barren right now. This is just nature. But they're out there to hunt those squirrels, you know. Every morning about 9 o'clock, you'll hear those shrill sounds of those chicken hawks, if you will. That's what they are. (laughs) And uh, and, uh, there will not be a squirrel. There might be six or eight squirrels jumping through the treetops. Those hawks come up. Well, they might get breakfast, but those squirrels kind of learn what's going on. But, yeah, you don't have to have a great big whole lot of land. I guess you could call this uh, backyard Habitat or whatever but uh you, it's amazing what happens on four acres uh We have a uh pear tree out there on the edge of this one of these strips, one of these sixty yard strips, and these things might be you know eight hundred foot long. it's a long rectangular track right and uh uh we had hogs there's lots and lots of wild hogs within a half a mile of here. But we're up in a developed area with other houses, you know, a few hundred yards away. We had about a sound of about 20 hogs coming up down that strip of natural wood line there. They they followed. It. I looked at a, a Google Earth, and you go on down. There's some water way down there on some other property. In the summer, they when those, late summer when those uh, pears were dropping, those hogs come up and they were within. Well, they're right here on this four acres, so a lot can be done, and you don't necessarily have to have a great big tract of land, you know, to improve uh, uh, habitat for wildlife.
0: Uh, you, you're exactly right. I was kind of laughing there when you said about leaving it in a natural situation. My thoughts were it's a great way to have a new for wildlife and all those kind of good things that you can enjoy in the lot, I can enjoy it. The- I'm not much on mowing lawns, to be honest with you. Me so my either. My first stop was I pile it up little brush piles <laughs> to mow the yard. which is something that I do. But you know, yeah. brush piles. I've got a property that's been in our family since the uh, old oh, middle 1800s, and it's been overgrown since way back when. And what I've done is set up all these brush piles and planted things inside of them. And what they've done too is, is it's created a place for birds to sit or to a uh, to and and what happens is they've been eating stuff elsewhere, with different types of berries and that kind of thing, and seeds. And, and through their drop in they'll deposit those things to the and kind of grows up from there. And then what I've done is I'm, I'm big on fertilizing native species, combat about uh, anything having to do with trees or, or shrubs or that kind of thing. This time of the year, like in middle February, even early March, before we start getting green up here in Texas, up quite the north, it's a lot different. But I'll take just plain old triple 13 uh, fertilizer I buy at the farm and ranch store, and I I use it to throw in the fresh piles a little bit. The other thing I do, I've got a fair amount of of green uh, briars, Smilax, whatever you want to call it, briars, that produce a lot of foliage for deer and pretty much throughout the year. And I've got certain on the spots there that I'll fertilize to really increase the growth but increase nutrition. And then beyond that, I've got uh, some other brow species down here, and I'll selectively find those individual plants that I want to do this to. Same thing that I do with, with oak trees, and I'll go right around the drip line, and that means where the where the drip falls at the outermost side of that tree and big little fence and I'll put a little bit of fertilizer in there, and, and it makes that plant hardier and, and grow better. And when he pushes it through the end, now with the oaks, what I've learned is the same thing I do with persimmons as well. Too. They do the same thing this time of year, and uh, guess what? It really produces a lot of uh, mass in that when you do that. And not only that, in the case of acorns, that fertilizer seems to make those plants a little bit more palatable. And talking about the acorns, a, bit, a lot bit not people call well, they a little bit sweeter, and uh, it's really made a difference. And it needs to make a difference
1: you I know I have seen that happen Larry uh friend of mine, and yours too mark beette's got raises a lot of hay. He's got a honey ranch right. down in East Texas well, uh, for years, there was a little group of oaks, probably a hundred little over a hundred yards from some heavy bedding cover I mean right. the briars and everything were deer bedded big time than that well, when he would fertilize the the hay meadow. He would always go around those oaks and, and, and fertilize around those oaks. Well, those deer, there was an old metal building, a shed there with a, a sheet metal roof on it. That was our hunting blind. We'd get in that shed, and it, you'd hear those in, in the fall. You'd hear those acorns popping on that metal roof. Well, just, say, 15 or 20 minutes before dark, those deer, would. they didn't walk out of there. They ran out of that uh, heavy bedding area to those oaks and Mark says, you know, Luke, we've got oaks everywhere. You ever wonder why they come to these oaks? <laughs> <laughs> just just like you said, Larry, they were fertilized. and the, the I guess the deer, maybe it's the sweeter acorns, maybe it's the fact they know they're more nutritious. But, I mean, they hit those oaks hard. I killed a couple of good bucks right there, too.
0: You're exactly right. I've used that technique in, in areas where we've had a lot of particular, well, either red oaks or white oaks. It really make a whole lot of difference when we had." you know, anticipating good acorn years, and they were everywhere, or what I would do, is there were none, and I would fertilize specific oak trees and to, in the year that I was going to hunt, and I'd watch those deer come walking across all these acorns to come to that one particular tree to feed acorns from that tree. And so you we know, do the same thing with, uh, we've got what we call Yopon, or Yopon Holly, in yep. history, and that's uh-huh. the same thing there to where, I've created my own little natural food plot just with with fertilizer, and didn't have to tear up the soil and, and produce them there with Smilax and like the which which are greens. You had porch fun, you know, year round. It wasn't a seasonal thing.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, Larry, the the uh, the greenbrier, it, it, that is a preferred food, I guess, for deer. I, I know I've seen the browse; they browse heavy on that. I, I guess there's a lot of uh, nutrition in greenbrier.
0: There, there's silk in there, yes. I, I, I'm not sure what the protein level is or anything like that, but Ed, I noticed the same thing. I've been able to hunt white-tail deer and, and, and deer a lot of different places, even out west where there's fire, And uh, deer have a tendency to go to those places. And, and again, if you can fertilize those, what happens is you get more growth and it's more nutritious and there's something innate in deer that allows them to find the most nutritious, the most palatable plants out there. And How they do it, I have no earthly idea. I don't know if it gives off a little different odor or aroma, but uh, they will bypass a lot of the same particular species of plants to go to that one that's a little bit more nutritious or that's been fertilized.
1: Well, this is a time of year like like we talked about early where, you know, a lot of the hunting seasons are closing or are closed. Small game hunting's going on, but now is the time to fertilize and kind of in, you know, improve the habitat on the land that you lease or or that you own or like I do, Larry, even around your home, you know, just to kind of create a, a, a another sanctuary for the wildlife. I think we are about out of time for this week's Sporting Classics Campfire Talk, Larry, but I know we uh, we're, I'm already looking forward to next week, buddy.
0: I am, too. We'll try to figure out something else we can talk to. that will be worthwhile for wildlife, but also worthwhile for us, for those who love to watch it and to eat it.